The Hit the Light Podcast featuring Big Frog and Michael Castleberry is on the air. Covering classic metal and comedy from San Diego, California. So now sit tight and hit the lights. The Hit the Light Podcast is recorded live and uncensored. Big Frog in particular is not politically correct, so please don't be offended. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Hit the Light Podcast with me, Big Frog, and... And uh, I'm going by Slice now. That is... <laughs> slice. slice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Give it up for Slice. And uh, today we're doing our uh, episode on what we think are the most underrated metal or hard rock albums. Um, usually during this time we do the what we missed segment or uh, I stand corrected segment but today I think we've pretty much I don't feel like we left anything out on the last one which I just edited today so we're just gonna go for it and uh, I'll go ahead and let Mike go first okay so uh, I'm gonna start with my honorable mentions for underrated album and I was gonna stick with one uh, I decided to do two. The reason why th- the only reason why these are in my honorable mentions is I try to keep it like one band per right per album in the main ones, and we got five there. But um, I picked two Black Sabbath albums okay. for different reasons. Uh, the first one, I think, um, I I'm almost hesitant to call it underrated now because it seems to have gained a lot more of a following. Lately, mm-hmm. and that's the Born Again album. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, at the time, it did well, and they had a fairly successful tour, and right. it's kind of hard to say something with, like, Ian Gillen in Black Sabbath is completely underrated, right. but it kind of fell into that period where, one, the production was shit, mm-hmm. um, so that thing definitely needs a remix or something. I don't right. know how much. I don't know how much a remix can fix it because apparently what happened was they blew out an amp at some point in the recording, and were trying to. They didn't realize that was the problem, and then when they got to the final mix, like holy shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, yeah, that sucks when that happens because <clears throat> there's certain things that you can't fix. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah. Yeah, th- I guess that's the same thing that uh, happened with um, was it Death Magnetic? Yeah, that, that the tape is actually distorted. Yeah, so well, there's just nothing you can. It's that weird do. like sound compression thing that they're doing, and it's right. like the they talk about. I've seen stuff talk about this before. Where it's like the quote loudness wars, where like people are trying to make their shit sound louder, but right. when you listen to Death Magnetic. It's loud, but yeah, it kind of distorts together, and it's hard to really distinguish the guitars. And mm-hmm. it's an otherwise pretty solid album, but right. you get a little bit of ear fatigue if you're listening to it. Especially right. like I crank all my shit up even when I have headphones on, and my wife wonders why I can't hear it all the time. <laughs> but that one I have to like turn down because after a while your ears are fucking ringing. But um, right. But yeah, I th- I feel like Born Again. Kind of had this period where, like, when it released, you know, it was like, oh, shit, you got the singer from Deep Purple in Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And then um, it kind of fell off in popularity. And there's kind of that period where it's the revisionist history of, you know, when Ozzy came back 
it was nothing without Ozzy is real Black Sabbath. Right. And so there's this kind of period where people are like, oh, fuck that. Like, if it's not Ozzy, it's not worth listening to. And then it's kind of got more of a cult following now, and it's kind of gaining steam. A lot of people are saying, no, dude, Born Again fucking rocks. Right. So that's why I was tempted to not quite call it underrated because of that, because it's kind of starting to get its due again now. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other one from Sabbath I picked was actually Dehumanizer. Okay. Which I think it's underrated in the sense that it kind of gets lost in the shuffle of the Dio albums. Sure. I think it's kind of, it's one of those deals where it's like, you know, all the attention goes to heaven and hell and mob rules. Right. And then they brought him back out of nowhere. They did a few albums with Tony Martin. Right. And then Dio comes back for like a hot minute and then leaves again. Right. And that's another one where people were jazzed and it did well and, you know, it was rated well, but, you know, they didn't really tour tour behind it because he quit the band right? so quickly after. Like, he was like, you know, fuck this. We're not opening for, for, for Ozzy. Ozzy. Yeah. And then they had uh, Rob Halford fill in right. vocals for right. that show. And somehow I missed that shit. I don't know <laughs> what I was doing that was more important than that, but, but yeah. yeah, that's kind of... That was in Costa Mesa. Oh, but yeah. that happened, yeah. So that's why I feel it doesn't get quite the love that the first two he did with them does. Right. Um, it does, I mean, even despite the fact that it has the exact same lineup as Mob Rules, it has a very different sound, mm -hmm. too. Whereas mm -hmm. the first two kind of blend together in sound, even if very you much, have yeah. Vinny Apice on one of them. But this one, they went a little more heavy with it, and I just don't think it cuts quite the due that right. it's entitled to. And then, I mean, I guess if we added a third random one in there, I don't, you know, the Heaven and Hell album they did after the that reunion right. was pretty good, but right. it doesn't get quite the same love. Also. Right. Yo, uh, <clears throat> that's so, so funny. All of that because, like, when I first started liking heavy metal, you know, mm -hmm. Dio was in Black Sabbath. Yeah. So we didn't have that... Um, we didn't have that whole love for Black Sabbath that was then betrayed, yeah. and then Dio was there. Yeah. We didn't have any of that. We knew, we knew Heaven and Hell. We knew the Mob Rules. We got to know the other shit later. Yeah. Right. So man, I love Dio. I always loved Dio, and uh, so there was never any question that that. Dio in Sabbath was real Sabbath. That's yeah, me. That was know? just the Sabbath that had come out when right. you first got into it. There you go. So when Dio left and then Ian Gillen was on, first of all, I kind of really never thought that, okay, Ian Gillen's just going to be in Black Sabbath now for, yeah. forever. You know, I never thought that. So in a way, it was kind of like, like you said, Kind of, um, I, th I thought that that would kind of be the beginning of like a revolving door or yeah. something, or that deal would come back, or yeah. you know, well, something. that's really what it ended up becoming, right? You know, so, uh, so I actually bought uh, Born Again in London mm -hmm. at the time that it came out, yeah. you know, and uh, I bought that and the Aussie Mr. Crowley picture disc. <laughs> which which uh, was out at the same time. Yeah. And man, I mean, you know, I loved it. I loved uh, the 
the evil sound of it, you yeah. know. Uh, Iomi was going back to the to that tritone and you know hitting those you know yeah. those wicked notes and shit, and um, and I dug it. And at that time, I don't think that uh, I don't think that the production bothered me as much as it would have bothered me later on. Yeah, well, you, know you know weren't I mean? like an audiophile. Yeah, I didn't that know. That, I didn't know just, enough. You're you just know. a fucking kid that wanted yeah. to listen to some metal. Right, like and it was loud and it was wicked. And and even though I, I wasn't an Ian Gillen fan from before, mm-hmm. I really liked it. There well, was uh, there was those the weird conversations about how Ian Gillen liked to record all his parts naked. <laughs> so he would have to come into the studio like at different times yeah. and whatever, whatever. But yeah, man, that was that was uh, that was a great album, and I think it is underrated. I you think, know, you know, too. That's might be one of the. It's definitely the last great vocal performance from Ian Gillen. Probably. Um, well, I like. I really liked uh, Perfect Strangers. I did too, but if you listen to it and then listen to Born Again, um, apparently Ian blew his voice out on that tour. Oh yeah, yeah. So Perfect Strangers is a fucking killer album, but he's not hitting those yeah, he's not screaming. screams and wails that he was right. in his prime, and he fucking goes off on that shit yeah. and born again like fucking hotline he's yeah that whole end of the song is him just on another level and yeah. he's never been able to do that again yeah so, that's uh, true now and what's funny is dehumanizer um the other night mm-hmm. we were having the listening party for dehumanizer because uh i was like you know what you need to listen to this because we were we were uh doing a Lonnie got Apple Music, yeah. right? Which is to me way too much to pay for something. It's just like ten bucks a month, yeah. you know. And um, but she likes it because she could hear like um, you know unreleased shit from bands that she likes and yeah. certain weird stuff that they have, and they have like playlists, right? Yeah. So uh, she had this. It was a playlist, and it said. Um, spanning the career of Ronnie James, of the great vocalist Ronnie James Dio, la 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 la, this and that. And I thought, oh wow, that sounds awesome. And I expected it to have Dio and mm-hmm. Rainbow and Sabbath and Dio again and, you know. They throw but, some elf in there. Right, yeah. but basically it was just Best of Dio. Yeah. You know, the band. And so I was like, you know, there's way more to the Best of Ronnie James Dio than just that. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Throw on Dehumanizer. And while we were playing it, I was kind of giving her, you know, what I think the background of it is, <laughs> you know. And the and the fact the fact is is that, um, you know, Dio had fallen off a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the the albums that with with uh, Craig Goldie were not all that. And then he got Tracy G, which he was even lesser dude, really. And those albums didn't do that great. And at the same time, Sabbath was doing the Tony Martin thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, during that time, Dio, I saw Dio open for Iron Maiden. Yeah. Um, Sabbath was playing theaters. They didn't come here, but they were playing theaters. They're both kind of on a downswing. They were both on a downswing. And I just think, like, they were both fucking hungry again. 
they were yeah. both like, "Fuck, we need to fucking get on top again." And when they got when they got back together, that album just seems like fucking everybody brought their fucking A game. Yeah, you know, and the, the songs were tight, the sound was tight. It seems like it seemed like like Dio had like a fucking a crate full of lyrics that he was just saving for maybe if yeah. I get back with Sabbath, you know, sometime. Yeah, and I only the same thing. So yeah, man, that's a great fucking record. And what I told, what I was telling Lonnie, I say, if um, I was thinking when I heard that they were gonna do it, I said, well, obviously it's not gonna be fucking heaven and hell. It's not gonna be mob rules. I go, yeah. if it's anything anywhere near the ballpark, I'll be happy. Yeah. And it way blew my expectations. It was yeah. just way fucking better. You know, whereas The Devil You Know, which came, you know, after the next reunion, I kind of thought that was more like what I expected the first one. You, know, <laughs> you kind of thought was, it was Yeah, it was like, all right, all right it's right, cool, but... you know, whatever. But it ain't no dehumanizer, yeah. you know, that's what I thought. Yeah. So, for my first pick, I'm going to go ahead and stay with the theme that you brought, and I'm going to go with a Black Sabbath album. Here we go. And my pick is... Eternal Idol. Okay. Fucking Tony Martin. Nobody knew who he was. And I just fucking dig it, you know? Yeah. And and uh, it's it's um it came right after uh Seventh Star. Seventh Star, yeah. Which was not for me. You know, well, that was not even meant to be a Sabbath album. Right. That's why it says Black Sabbath featuring right. Tony Iommi. Right. That was supposed to be a solo album. And then the record label was like, put right. Black Sabbath on it, so it sells better. Right. Well, what I was reading was that that was kind of the same thing with Eternal Idol. He yeah. really didn't want it to be a Black Sabbath album either, but I think it was Warner Brothers. Or oh, that's that. they keep saying that multiple times. Like yeah. They said that about Born Again. Yeah. Wasn't originally intended to be a Sabbath album because they're like, oh, let's do this super group right. type of deal. Right. But, yeah, like Deep Sabbath or something. Yeah. yeah. But that's like you said before, well, you know, when we're talking about those albums where, oh, is it Sabbath? Was this meant to be a Tony Iommi album? You right. We're like, well, if Geezer's on it, it's Sabbath. Right, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Well, see, so Geezer's not on this. Yeah. And again, there's this weird thing where I believe on the album that the bass is credited to... Um, to Dave Spitz, mm -hmm. who the Beast, who was Dan Spitz from Anthrax's brother. Okay. He played bass. Yeah. But he didn't play on the record. He's just listed on the record. I don't know why. And the dude that played on the record is Bob Daisley. Mm. For whatever reason, Bob Daisley always gets screwed out of that, his <laughs> He never credits, gets his you know? credit, man. Yeah. You know, and the fact is that he's a great songwriter. Yeah. And those that album just has great fucking song. He's just sitting around like, how many uh, members of Black Sabbath can fuck me? Yeah, <laughs> really, really. Yo, but that, but like that album, to me, like I kind of judge an album by, by, or song, like, do I wish that I wrote that song? Yeah. And that's, that album has like five or six songs that I wish I fucking wrote yeah. on it. And it's not a bad song on the fucking thing. Yeah. I dig it. And, and uh, Lonnie was like, Lonnie said, yeah, you know it, that dude, Tony Martin, he's good, 
but he's just missing something that makes him like unique. Yeah, and I, you know, and he's I'm like kind of a. I wouldn't call him a Dio sound alike, right? But he kind of hits that kind of fucking vibe. He's in that neighborhood. He's yeah. the kind of guy that you could slot in, like, um, like uh, was it Doogie White when right. he came in for Rainbow, right? Where he's, you know, I would he sings his ass off and he's got a great sound, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's kind of slotted in there because he can kind of do the shit that other guys have done, right? And right. You know, that being said, I actually, I honestly, I've told you this before, you disagree with me on it. I actually like Doogie's, uh, when he's doing uh, Temple of the King, mm-hmm. even more than Dio. Wow. Yeah. But I think that's more because of the song structure and the right. guitar, like, because, you know. I really like Doogie White yeah, too. But, you know, Blackmore changed up, like, the the guitar sound and everything else on it and gave mm. it almost like a fucking Pink Floyd kind of vibe when he's right. playing it live around that era. Right. And I just like that, you know. Yeah. You know, it's right. very fucking mellow and then builds up and yeah. versus the kind of like da, 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 right. pace of the original. Well, you know, the cool thing, <laughs> the cool thing about those singers, it, both of them, yeah, is that if you go if you go to see them, the songs are going to sound right. Yeah, like the old songs are going to sound right, and you know the new the new shit is good. But you know, to me, like you know, they made three albums or four, I think, with Tony Martin. Yeah, and you know, he's in the band for ten years. Yeah, and and to varying degrees, they're all good. Yeah, but this is my favorite one, so all that's right. why I put that one on. So was that your? Uh... That was your honorable that's, mention. That's no. That's just that's just one of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right then. I guess we're going to. This is my number five pick here. Okay. Uh, this is going to be a slightly controversial one, especially because I kind of shit on it a little bit earlier, and I didn't really mean to. Mm. But uh, I'm going to go with "Load" by Metallica. Okay. Now. That's a very unpopular choice. Like, if I wanted to fucking blow people's minds, I'd be like, St. Anger! But right. no, fuck right, right. that, that album is fucking whack. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think it's one of those deals, because, like, when I talked about before, like, the period that I got into metal, and I, I kind of say, like, Metallica was in the load and reload era of their career, mm-hmm. as it's a fucking negative. Right. But... At the time, I liked those albums. Like, mm-hmm. I just kind of, you know, I had known the Black album, and then Load seemed like a continuation of that. Right. And I, then I got into their earlier shit, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is better. And then everybody's like, ah, Metallica sold out, and blah, blah, blah. But right. then, like, I still liked, you know, when I listened to it more, especially now, I find a more of an appreciation for that album than before. But... I mean, it's, I don't think it's, you know, it might not have as many of the, like, standout hits as, like, the Black Album did. What are the hits from there, from Load? You know, for Load, it'd be King Nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, They had that Mama Said song that was kind of the country. Oh, yeah, yeah, You know, that was very not Metallica, but it's, it's kind of, it's good in its own right. Okay. Like, if you think of it as a James Hetfield solo song, right? it's not bad. I mean, it's him singing about he his He might mom. be the next one that goes country after, like, when it's all Oh, over. he's been straddling <laughs> that fence for a minute. But, um, 
you know, it's like he's he's done that before. I've seen him do like country shows where he like kind of meddles up a country song and stuff like that. Oh, really? That's funny. But, uh, let me, uh, uh, Until It Sleeps was mm-hmm. kind of a hit off it. Hero of the Day was one of the hits off of it. Um, but, I mean, there's not a lot of terrible songs on it. Like, you know, I always like Ain't My Bitch kicks it off and that's a fun one. Right. And they just kind of continued that more hard rock almost like almost gave it like a southern rock thing going on in there yeah like a blues rock but you know there's a lot of songs on there that i actually like and what the thing that i actually think is super underrated about it is um two songs on there uh, bleeding me and the outlaw torn Mm -hmm. are i don't think they get the due that they deserve along with fixer on um reload they kind of have this like really kind of like slow you know but almost like epic vibe to them Mm -hmm. where they're just a very different thing that metallica was doing at the time and bleeding me has it's like a fucking almost a sabbath song because you get that tempo change halfway through where you know the guitar really kicks in and they speed it up and i just got a black sabbath vibe off that so i think you know as time goes on i think Load and lesser reload because honestly reload it it sounds like what it was it's you know they were originally trying to do this as a double album mm-hmm. but basically ran out of time so they recorded both fucking albums at this basically one thing time, yeah. and then they're like okay let's let's just release one and then we'll release another instead of a double album so reload just feels like with the exception of a few songs on there the shit that they decided to not put on load. Mm. And, you know, it has Unforgiven 2 on there and The Memory Remains and, you know, a few other songs. Like, but it feels like kind of the Leftovers album. Right. And that's where it's like kind of during that period. It was less fun, you know, but then they did their cover album and then a live album and mm. then they find then they did Saint Anger which I was like, uh. (laughs) So it took them a minute before they really put out an album that like really was killing it, I thought, but. And the album cover of Load is microscopic sperms, correct? Uh, It is blood and semen mixed Ah. together. And then it was like pressed between glass. And then it's like, yeah, it's a fucking weird thing. Interesting. Yeah, it's just like this artist that does weird shit with bodily <laughs> fluids because like reload um it's like blood and piss or something like that it's the same artist they had to do that cover oh lord yeah metallica went through a fucking weird phase with yeah. that i mean they like you said they had the whole like you know yeah. all of a sudden they're in well, short the, hair and suits and they have jizz on the cover yeah. but the only thing that can, the only thing that gets weirder than two guys driving is when it's just one guy driving <laughs> that's even worse because nobody could tell them no yeah at least those two could kind of check each other a little bit yeah but yeah that often gives birth to some weird shit yeah I think Jason was just along for the ride at that oh, point oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah alright so for my first uh, second official pick I'm gonna cheat okay okay and the reason that I'm gonna cheat is because the album that I actually picked is Unleashed in the East. Okay. 
but it could apply to several other records the same thing what I'm going to say. Okay. And that is that when like when uh, when I was a kid, when I was in Spain, uh, one of my friends had an album. It was either Ben or Phil who had this album called Judas Priest Hero Hero. Oh, that's right? the one that's like the greatest hits of like their of the 70s, yeah. right? Because that's what that's the thing that like, you know, when you when you start liking a band and you're like, oh yeah, well they are from the '80s, but like certain bands, like um, like Judas Priest, like uh, the Scorpions, mm-hmm. UFO, they're actually '70s bands, yeah. you know. And so, the thing about it is that like technology had a lot of catching up to do with what was going on musically in in those days, yeah. you know, like um, like for example. The only way to to really like, do, have, have you ever heard the original? Um, you really got me. Yeah. By the Kings. By the Kings. Yeah. Okay, that's widely considered to be the first recording of distorted guitar. Yeah. Okay, and the way that they achieved that at the time, suppose according to the brothers, the Davies brothers, was that they poked holes in the speaker of the uh, of the guitar amp. Mm-hmm. And that's the sound that they got, yeah. and you know, and that was the beginning of a quest for the rad, distorted sound that yeah. we have now, right? But in those, and they, and and they came out with a fuzz pedal, but the it was really just fuzzy. Yeah. It wasn't fucking. It didn't have a lot of balls to it. Yeah. So the only way to get that guitar sound was just to crank the fuck out of your amp and just overdrive it. Yeah. You know. And the problem with that was that the microphones of the day couldn't handle that volume, mm-hmm. so they would get distorted, and yeah. it would sound like shit. So, hard rock and heavy metal records from the 70s have a weird sound. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of distorted, but it's not distorted enough. Um, everything's, everything's like mixed in a really weird way. So, if you heard an album like Hero Hero, or, uh, which I don't think is an official Judas Priest album, by the way. Yeah. I think it's like some kind of a European bootleg. Yeah. Or uh, something from the Scorpions from the from the early days or something like that. It's easy if you, if you don't have like a certain depth to just be like, oh, that sounds old. Yeah. That sounds bad, you know? Same thing if you're watching a movie with, with uh, somebody who's young and yeah. you're just going to be like, fucking, that looks like... You know, like it was recorded with that one of those. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't watch this. Well, yeah, and I for mean, some people, it's that same way with those old records. Yeah. What Unleashed in the East did was it took all those old songs and it made them sound like the way Priest was sounding now. Yeah. So songs like Tyrant or The Sinner or The Ripper were just like. They were like brand new songs. The yeah. way that they sounded was just like brand new. It blew me away that all those songs that I thought were okay were actually fucking sick. No, you know? they're just banging. Right, you know, and, and the reason that I say that I'm cheating is because I'm going to say the same thing for the Tokyo Tapes, for the mm-hmm. Scorpions. I'm going to say actually the same thing for Kiss Alive. You know, yeah. it... it it brought back, you know, and because of because of those reasons, because of the Tokyo tapes, that's why I know 
who Uli John Roth is. If it wasn't for that, I would have probably missed the whole boat on him. <laughs> and he was like, he was like Hendrix and Blackmore and all mixed into one thing, yeah. like way before his time. So, um, so yeah, I'm gonna give it up on this one to Unleashed to the East and other live albums of that era and even stretch it as far as to the Scorpions Worldwide Live, who okay. was all, which also modernized songs that were a little bit old. Yeah. But yeah. I do like the when you threw in there like uh, you know, Kiss Alive, you know, the underappreciated hidden gem of a live album. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but I mean but it just did the same thing. Yeah, but, well that was because their production was complete shit in right. the first few albums oh, yeah. that they are like Let's record this album, yeah, quasi live, and right. really, uh, like, put something out that sounds like our live well, show. Exactly, and people are like, "Oh, this is tight," and that yeah. blew the. They finally sold a like a had a hit album. Right, right. So, so yeah, so that's my cheating number uh, two. That's your cheating number there. Okay, all right. My next one, uh, I got a couple of funky ones on here. Uh, I am going to go with the Paul Stanley solo album. Oh, wow. For when they did the four right. solo albums. The four albums. Because yeah. I really didn't fuck with this one for the longest time. Because there was kind of this whole, you know, the whole thing that everybody said about them. It was generally Aces was really good. Right. And the rest were kind of shitty. Right. And, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say that the Peter Chris album is a fucking hidden gem or anything like no. that. But even that has its moments. It's yeah. just what happened with a lot of those. It's like, you know, with Peter Chris, like he didn't fucking record anything resembling a Kiss album. Right. So people are like, what the fuck is this? Right. And um, the Gene Simmons one, it starts off all right with, uh, what was it, Radioactive, I think is the mm. first track on there. And then it just starts getting weird. And then he starts doing, like, When You Wish Upon a Star. Yeah. Which is like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Right. Like, you're sitting here, like, in your kiss face paint at home, and then When You Wish Upon a Star comes out. Because it's like, am I supposed to sit here with my lighter? Like, he's just doing a Disney standard at this point. Like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And then, um, so by virtue of that, I kind of was always like, oh, I I bet the Paul Stanley one is fucking whack, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And then not that long ago, I was listening to Eddie Trunk, and he was talking about, you know, stuff, and he mentioned uh, the Paul Stanley album. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, because he was talking with uh, Bob Kulik, right. who played guitar on a bunch of the tracks on him, who also did guitar on the, uh, the studio Kiss songs on Kiss Alive 2. Mm-hmm. And his brother Bruce later was a full time member of the yeah. band. But, um, you know, they're tired. It's like, you know, that Paul Stanley album doesn't get enough love. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to listen to this. Right. And it's a fun album. And, you know, from a period of Kiss where they kind of started making a lot of questionable decisions mm-hmm. immediately after that, because I, I want to say they recorded Dynasty right after they did those. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quote me on that because I don't need someone else fucking fact-checking me <laughs> on Facebook over this shit. <laughs> but um, but they just started making weird decisions with it. But the Paul Stanley album, there's some really fun songs on there. Um, 
and he sings his ass off on them. This is one of his better vocal performances, right? I think. But um, you know, you got yeah, "Tonight You Belong to Me" is a pretty solid little power ballad that he's got going, where his voice sounds great on it, right? Um, the meat of the album for me is right in the middle of it. Uh, Wouldn't like you like to know me is a really fun, uh, you know, they're pop rock song. Take Me Away is the one I think I sent to you that I was like, this is almost Dio-ish yeah. with its tone. And then It's All Right is another kind of fun pop, you know, rock song. So it's a pr- all together, it's a pretty solid, you know, power pop you know, deal. And the thing is, if you listen to it now and then listen to those 80s Kiss albums, mm-hmm. those albums sound like a continuation of Paul Stanley's solo album. Right. Because basically, what it comes out now, because Kiss has so much fucking smoke and mirrors with everything they do, uh-huh. with is so and so in the band, did he actually play on this album, yeah. this and that. Um, Which I hate, by the way. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, yeah. especially like when they did their reunion, uh, the reunion album, Psycho Circus, mm-hmm. and it's like, the original band is doing an album together again, and they only played together um, as a foursome, I think on maybe one or two songs on yeah, that. Yeah, see, that's And they crazy. had studio guys in there. And, uh, but during that time period, it was one of those deals that everybody always thought, Paul and Gene are kind of equal partners at this point. Mm-hmm. And you kind of find out later that it's really Paul's band. Mm. And during that time in the 80s, it was definitely Paul's band because Gene was off trying to be in movies and shit. Right. He didn't really care that much. That's right. why if you look at those albums all through that time period, all of the singles are Paul Stanley vocal ones. Mm-hmm. You didn't have shit with Gene on vocals. Right. Right. So, well, Gene wasn't sexy, too. Well. <laughs> like, you know, like like during the, I mean, did you like that, the non-makeup era? I'm starting to find a little bit more of an appreciation for it when I listen to it with a different, you know, perspective. Right. But See, I liked it at the time because it was during the hair metal time. Yeah. Right? And when you're comparing it to that other mm-hmm. shit. It was really, really good. It was way better than fucking Bullet Boys or, you know, some shit like that. So, yeah, man, I liked it. And, and yeah, and Paul had to take the front seat because Gene just looked ridiculous during during that time. (laughs) That was not a good, that was not a good time for him. No, I don't don't think so. That was, uh, he just... (laughs) Some friends of mine were talking about this before when they were talking about some of the outfits that they, they were wearing and Gene was wearing. Oh, yeah. it, it, it looked like um, like when the Golden Girls were going out on a date or oh, something Lord. when they have like yeah. a shiny jacket yeah. or some shit. Take me yeah. to the disco. But yeah, that was not a good era for Gene. No. Like Gene, I could see why he was hesitant about the whole taking the face paint off because right. Paul could at least lean on being the cute one. So. Yeah, yeah. And he even says the funny thing is, is, you know, when they took the the makeup off, he was still the fucking star child. You right. Know? He was still the same thing. Right. Just slightly different. Whereas, you know, you take that makeup on and put spandex and shit on him. He's not the demon anymore. No. He can't do that demon shit. Yeah. And he was like really, Gene was really like 
nervous about that. So I saw so when they right. had their first photo shoot with uh, for Lick It Up, yeah. when they did the uh, that album cover and everything, just for some sort of consistency, they had Gene doing the tongue on it. Yeah. So it's like yeah. he still can sort of be the demon. But that whole period was just rough for him. And then when they finally did Revenge, right. they were, went more of a heavier yeah. vibe for that. So then it was leather and this and that. And Gene got to kind of be... Yeah. Closer to the demon again. I think live during that time, I'm not sure, but I think he uh, he would still do the fire, but he yeah. didn't do the blood. He didn't do the blood. Yeah. yeah, so he was like a half, half, half demon. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was a good one. All right. Uh, all right, for my next one, I'm going to go like off the reservation. Okay. And I'm going to go with Alcatraz's No Parole for Rock and Roll. Okay. Right? And the reason for that is because uh, it's a it's a unique... First of all, I love it. It's a, a, it's a unique record that of a band that only really made one record. Because yeah. for the next album, it was Steve Vai. Yeah. And the musical direction was completely different, mm-hmm. you know? But for this album, again, I think it was like an album that everybody was saving up for. You know, Graham Bonnet, I mean, I'm sure he did some things between Rainbow and Alcatraz, but I wasn't aware of it. You know, Yngwie had just came over. He he did one record with Steeler, which basically it it was like a vehicle for him, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so this was his first, like, real band where they, like, wrote songs together and everything. And the rest of the dudes in the band were just, like, really solid professionals, you know, from the from the rainbow school of being professionals, yeah. you know? And, and so, like, again, the songs, there's a shitload of songs that are, that are just well-crafted and kick-ass and Graham Bonnet kicking ass and then Yngwie and you know he was um, he was and by the way this is how this is how shitty it was how shitty word of mouth and everything was Mm -hmm. okay I thought the dude's name was Yngwie <laughs> right. I didn't know how to pronounce that dude's name when I yeah. saw it. Uh, my a buddy of mine in high school. Not to interrupt you, he had like you know we're going through a guitar magazine in probably '98 or something. We're in auto shop and we're fucking around instead of doing work. Right. And I remember him busting it open, and it was Ingve, you know, endorsing some type of guitar. Right. Like and we all looked at that shit and went. What the fuck's a Yingwe yeah, yeah. Steve? What? Yeah. Is, who the fuck is that? And right. then my friend Sean was like, "That sounds like some one of them dudes that only guitarists knows." So talk to your friend Lance. I'm sure he fucking knows who he is. Yeah. That was the kid I told you about that was you know plays in the hallways guitar and right. Mr. Shredder. Right. It's like it sounds like some some dude that he would probably know and nobody else. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know. Yeah, and that's kind of funny because I never really fucked with him that much after that. Like, right. I kind of heard him here or there. And um, every time I heard him, I didn't like it. Like, it's been a real... Like, when I... what You started suggesting actual, like, Rising Force albums yeah. to me and shit like that. Yeah. So I can kind of listen to him in the proper context. Right. 
But when it's him just noodling and doing a bunch of shit that he doesn't need to do on like a cover of Dream On with Dio. Yeah, that's a bit much. Yeah, you and know? it's like, calm the fuck down. You're yeah. not adding to the song. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Here that and that's because and that's because that's Ingve. Like yeah. he's he's not like he's not the most thoughtful dude. You no. know? <laughs> like if they say, Hey Ingve, you know, we want you to come and play in this like a Randy Rhodes tribute or something, and he'd yeah. be like, All right. Yeah. And, it, and to him, it's just, well, I'm just going to shred over some Ozzy song. Yeah. And, and that's it. And, yeah. And whatever I do will be great. You know? Yeah. Whereas some other dude who, who uh, like, uh, on the actual uh, Ozzy uh, Randy tribute record, the, a tribute to him. Yeah. Uh, the dude, I, and again, I don't know how to say his name. I think it's Alexi Lyo mm-hmm. or something's from Children of Bodom. Yeah. He was a huge Randy fan, right? Yeah. So when you hear him do it, it's much more. It's like it's a love letter. Yeah, it's a, yeah, exactly. And, and it's and, not and just and, that's it and it's not just Ingve collecting a paycheck, right? And and do and finally doing a song with Dio because Dio could never afford him. That's yeah. the only reason that they were never in a band together is Dio couldn't afford what Ingve wanted. I couldn't. You know, it's. I'm glad that they did that song together because I love uh, Dio's vocals on, oh, yeah. on that cover. I couldn't see them two working together very well because Dio, at that point, he's you know he's spent so much time being the other guy in the band yeah. to like these superstar guitarists right. that he didn't get his full say. Right. Which is you know, I love Dio, but that's a price you pay sometimes right. because you kind of let you know you you quit Elf to do Rainbow. Right. And, you know, well, really, you know, Richie fired Elf. Cause yeah. Like, Rainbow was just Blackmore plus Elf, the first album. Right, right. And then he fired all of them except for Dio. Right. And you kind of, mm-hmm. instead of saying, hey, fuck you, you yeah. fired my whole band, you right. rode with it. So right. that's the, that's what happens. Right. In retrospect, you should probably know that that was the plan. Yeah. But then he he's in Sabbath, and he's not going to be the dude in right. Black Sabbath once Ozzy is gone. That's... That's Iomi's band at this point. So then he finally got his own band, and he's calling the shots. He's not gonna let some fucking exactly Coming, step in yeah. and like he's like you're gonna play how you wanna play. And Ingve is not that guy. No, you know, Ingve's the boss, especially so, now. Which is, oh yeah, yeah people ask him who's in the album, and he's like it doesn't matter. And again, <laughs> you know, as a guitar player, I'll go see Ingve whenever he comes. You know, whatever, whatever, and I'll appreciate what he does. But, you know, my girl's not going to like it. She's, you know, she's just going to be like, okay, that's cool, but there's like an hour too much of it. You know, (laughs) you could have done that for 15 minutes and then, you know, and I understand that. And I also appreciate Yngwie more in a band context which is what Alcatraz yeah, was. We just spent like 10 minutes shitting on yeah, <laughs> yeah, for your for yeah. your pick. I'm so oh, sorry. No. But no, but see, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, you know what? Ingve is Ingve is a love-hate thing, right? Yeah. You know, like just like Danzig, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, people love Danzig, but those same people also make fun of Danzig because he's so easy to make fun he's, of. Well, he's such a fucking ridiculous person. Yeah. It's like when you realize he was like this was an honest effort out of him. Like that was my whole vibe with Danzig. As I thought, like the whole thing was tongue in cheek. Right. Like the misfits are fun and it's kind of campy. Yeah. But then it's like, 
Now nah, he was serious. This is him taking himself seriously. You're like, what the fuck are you taking yourself right. seriously for? You're a fucking midget that sings about like monsters. Right. <laughs> well, that's kind of the same thing. That's kind of the same thing with Ingve, where his where his first um, albums were of his on his own. You know, he's a English as a second language dude. Yeah. You know, and whatever, whatever. So. He's fucking, I am a Viking, I'm going off to war. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know, whatever. He got the point across. Yeah, so. um, you know, but 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 like I say, on this record, it's Graham Bonnet singing, yeah. Graham Bonnet's lyrics, and, and they're about weird shit. They're about like Bigfoot, and they're about uh, <laughs> the uh, um, elder humans who used yeah. to live, who don't exist anymore. Uh, it's about it's weird a, shit. It's a pretty sick more shreddy rainbow album. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> and, and so that's why I dug it. Side note to this one, um, the the way that I found out that the dude's name was Ingve mm -hmm. was from my ex girlfriend named Kathy, who met them because uh -huh. she saw them on tour. Yeah. And she was she was messing around with this older dude who was kind of plugged into the S D scene. Yeah. And uh, and so she met Alcatraz and that's how she met Ingve and that's how she knew to tell me that the dude's name yeah. was Ingve when I said it wrong. That's pretty cool that he had an ex that probably fucked Ingve. Well actually <laughs> what happened was that Graham Bonnet tried to hit on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is an interesting story because if my math is right, she was probably sixteen at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But there was the eighties, <laughs> shit was different. Oh, whatever, come whatever. on, man. It's fucking, you know. Right. His songs are never uh about not fucking girls that might be underage. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so there you go. So uh so uh all night long. Uh, yeah, anyway. no, that's very questionable lyrics on that song. Right. So that's so that's mine. Uh, no okay. pro from rock and roll, Alcatraz. It's a pretty sick album. I have, I do, I have listened to that one on your suggestion. There you I was go. like, all right, I'll, I'll fuck with Ingve a little bit more. Right. All right. Here's another one that I think, in its own weird way, is underrated. Um, this is kind of a tie for two albums, but I'm gonna go with the their first album. But I'm gonna go with the uh, the first Iron Maiden album. Cool. I wanted to, it's really a tie between Iron Maiden and Killers. Mm -hmm. And it's really because I just think the Paul Diano records don't have the same love these days because it's all about Bruce Dickinson. Right. And it's, you know, they kind of, they went into a different direction once Bruce joined the band and they got much, much bigger. You mm -hmm. can't say that they, you know, it wasn't the right move professionally oh, for of course, them of course. to do. But those first two albums have so many fucking great songs on them. Mm -hmm. And I think, and you know, and they're songs that ended up on later live albums with right. Bruce singing them. Right. So they kind of, they do have some love for it. But the thing is, is when I listen to Bruce sing the songs on these albums, mm -hmm. I, I don't like it very much. You know, yeah, like him doing "Running Free," right? It his voice doesn't quite vibe with right. what, what Paul was doing. Yeah, and Bruce and Bruce wasn't waking up in jail. Yeah, you know, that's that's <laughs> like you know that's the yeah I agree I agree with that. And those those albums I think 
they you know they they set the foundation for the band and then they took it in a different way but i think you know had they stuck with paul for a reason you know it was he was you know that guy was too much of a partier for his own good but oh yeah they were kind of going into a more speed metal direction kind of their second album it was almost a proto thrash on some of those yeah bands. yeah it was yeah. that mix of punk with with yeah uh, yeah and then they kind of then they brought out in Bruce and he has the more epic vocals and they turned the big stadium metal and all that mm. which I'm not gonna say I don't love oh yeah Iron Maiden with Bruce also yeah but on some levels I almost I kind of like their first album more than a lot of the Bruce ones right because there's just something. Something about that album that's it's rough and it's raw, yeah, and it's, it's dirty. It's yeah, yeah. And there's something. It's just a vibe to it that it's just they never had that vibe again. And like you said, it's you know, and that you know the you know that they, they introduce the character of Charlotte the Harlot mm-hmm. on it and stuff, which mm-hmm. you know Bruce ends up singing about later. Yeah, you know, and you know they're doing. A, 12 minute song with like eight solos about a hooker but <laughs> right right but that's 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 one of my my next pick on there is you know really it's a tie between the first two maiden albums okay but i'm giving the very first one the edge for not being quite as beloved anymore these days right the, the metal fandom just because you know the grapevine of metal fans has its way of you know, every it's way of positioning things. Like yeah. whenever you see stuff about Iron Maiden on TV, like if you know VH1 is doing a countdown of like the best metal bands of all time, right? They always show the interview of Bruce talking about when he saw Iron Maiden live, mm-hmm. when he was still in uh, Samson. Samson, and he said, you know, oh, this band is cool, but I can think better than that guy. Yeah, and it became the kind of thing that you know. Oh, well, right. Paul got kicked out of the band because he was a sucky singer, and yeah, no. Bruce was a better singer. And that's not how it right. went down at all. But it gets in the collective mythology, it's right. Treated like he was just shit, right? And he was holding the band back, yeah, because no. of his vocals. Now, now, uh, now, that's one of those things again where it's like it's a fitting in and chemistry and all that thing. Because if you were to just say, okay, I'm auditioning singers, you go in and sing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Bruce is better. Yeah. You know, it's just that the the chemistry of that time, there was something perfect about the original Iron Maiden. There, yeah. was, there was something really perfect about it. And that is why my next pick is Killers. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. What a, that really uh, worked out well. Yeah. And the reason that I picked Killers over the original first Iron Maiden album, which I also obviously love very much, is because of three reasons. One, it sound the sound is better, yeah. you know, on Killers. Um, also, the main, 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 main reason is because Killers, the album Killers, is like Dave Murray's coming out party. Yeah, you know. I mean, like, because during that time, like I say, you know, it was, <clears throat> I was into Eddie Van Halen, I was into yeah. Randy Rhodes, and, you know, for 
you know, a lot of it was, uh, you know, Randy for his aggression, you know, Eddie for, for his tricks and things I hadn't heard before ever, you know, sound. And for Dave Murray, it was his fucking feel and his tone and it is bends and fuck, it was amazing, dude. And Killers is all about that, you know, the Ides of March, right from the beginning. Yeah. You know, he's just he's just like so soulful and his tone is so fucking amazing. And uh, and for that reason, that's why I pick Killers. Also, to me, that's still the greatest Iron Maiden album cover of all time. Yeah. Uh, there's no defi- there's no more definitive Eddie than that Eddie. To me, that's fucking Eddie. You can fucking put him through the ringer after that all you want. You can make <laughs> him a pharaoh cut his fucking head open or whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> but that's the dude. You know, yeah. I was like, I mean, you know, because when the first time that we went to the record store looking for Number of the Beast, that was the album they had. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, well, yeah, I'm fucking getting it. Yeah. You know, and then it was Paul Diano and it was a whole nother trip. But yeah, we loved it. And and uh and to me that's that's uh the best like that's the best version of Paul Diano and the and the best version of, of that old Iron Man. Yeah. Okay. Me. So all right. For your next album, you said you have a bit of a curveball. Yeah, my my next one, uh, that's this one's gonna come out of out of left field, I think, and that is gonna be uh, Pantera's power metal album. That All is, right. Yeah, that's you know, I don't I don't think I mean the first couple of Pantera albums before they brought in Phil were kind of fucking whack. Right. Uh, I'm not even gonna dispute that. Like right. I've tried to listen to those and they're pretty sad. Um, but power metal fucking holds up. Right. And there's a ton of riffs on there. It's a fun album. It's before like you know that's the thing is Pantera like I. I liked Pantera when I was in high school and in my early 20s, and I kind of slowly phased out of really digging them. Mm -hmm. You know, they worked when I was like a pissed off teenager. Right. But my whole thing with metal has always been that metal is fun. It's like always been like the most fun music to me. Like you just go and have a good time and party and like... There's nothing really fun about Pantera after Cowboys from Hell. Like, yeah. it's fucking heavy, and it's, like... But you don't, like... Angry. Yeah, but you don't have, like, a good time listening to Pantera. Like, yeah. Pantera is what, like, someone cranks on, like, right before everybody starts fighting at the party. Like, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like... Like, right before, like, some, like, really angry white boy just starts throwing elbows and shit. Yeah. And it's, like... So the fan base increasingly became, like, these really pissed-off white dudes that are, like, mad for no fucking reason. Right. And, like, Power Metal was before they made that switch. So you have Dime, like, fucking shredding. Right. But, like, they're singing about pussy and shit. Right. <laughs> you know? There's a lot of good riffs on there, too. Yeah, the riffs are killer. There's a lot of good solos. Yeah. Phil's voice is really good. You know, he the dude can sing. It's right. so weird that that's the thing that he's he wandered away from right. is the fact that he can legitimately sing like well could I don't yeah. probably can't anymore you never know it's I, one of those things 
I don't think singing the way he has yeah. for he probably hasn't he taken has. care of his voice very yeah, well. I could yeah. I can't imagine that. He felt he doesn't have any need to and none of his other side projects has have him any need doing to, yeah. anything other than what he's been doing. But you know, he's got some like pipes in, in the, on this album. Right. And uh you know, it's like there's moments that remind me of Judas Priest. There's shit that reminds me of even like uh, Queensryche. Right. You know, in it. So it's like they really, I think they hit their stride. And I think it's kind of sad that like Pantera, I haven't really seen a band do this where they've completely disavowed like the first half of their career. Right. Um, like yeah. no other band I've seen. I've seen bands like gradually change into a new style or right. this and that and you know like judas priest obviously they had a more blues rock thing and right before they pretty much set the blueprint for what metal was going to be in the 80s comedians do that sometimes like yeah hey, you know what fucking don't pay attention to my first shit that's that was fucking i was trying to get on tv you know, now can, watch yeah, me now. <laughs> that's a little bit different in a sense. I mean, yeah, you evolve a bit. And comedy is way different from music where once you tell a fucking joke and someone's heard your fucking joke, it's never going to have the same impact again. That's true. You can, you know, you're not going to really go and like, I mean, some comics do that where they have one set that they've been doing for like 20 yeah. years, but... Well, my friend Rodney won tickets to go see Dice. I just heard about it on the way yeah. over here. So he won tickets to go see Dice, uh-huh. and he's and it's going to have some new shit, but then it's going to have the classics yeah. at the end. And, you know, I think, like, uh, probably if, you're, if you have, if you're the type of dude that just plays Dice albums yeah. over and over, well, then obviously you're going to love it. Yeah. But more likely, you're the dude that forgot that he remembers all those things <laughs> somewhere in his mind, and you'll probably laugh your ass yeah. off as it comes up again. I know? mean, maybe. I mean, that's it's, it's it's a certain type of person to just listen to a lot of Dice records, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But, like, that's just, like, I mean, Dice was funny when I was, like, 11. Yeah, you know? but, but I think, I like... like, ah, look at what this shit is. Yeah. yeah. But, but I've heard people say that they've gone and that they love it. Okay. So we'll see. I mean, I I'll, I'll ask Rodney what the, I'll give him. Ask him for his review. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to shit on the dice man. No, nah, nah, I like he dice. Seems, I heard he's a nice enough dude when he. Yeah, met. yeah. But he's, he's uh he he, he probably was an asshole in the days yeah. when he was fucking super fucking. Oh, yeah. You know, but he's probably more that's humble That's part of the course. <laughs> yeah. I did see other comics talk when they were working a show with him before. Right. Where. Uh, he was uh, he was kind of a dick to them. Yeah, and yeah. he kind of bombed, and then they blew him off the stage. And, uh, was and then the Scalar was... Brothers or some shit. Oh, jeez, I can't stand them. Well, they're, they're <laughs> <laughs> but they were saying how they had a way better set than that night, and he was like, you know, if I was doing my old shit, you wouldn't even fucking ah, have stood a chance. Yeah, and they're like, lucky I gave you guys a break. Yeah, and they're like, really? You mean like you're? Your top shelf new shit like uh, bits about call waiting in two thousand five, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. But back to Pantera, yeah, man. They just completely like they. That's those original albums they did. Their glam albums. Um, yeah, they don't. They, talk don't about they, it. they they 
you can't buy them anywhere for mm-hmm. the most part. Like, there's been a, like, people have even tried to, like, talk, to, I mean, they, now that Vinny and Dime are both dead, there's no fucking chance right. on the, that shit ever coming back out. Like, yeah. But, um, I mean, maybe, maybe, like, whoever ends up there's all legal, ownership of that, they might end up yeah, rewritten uh, them, but... I mean, that was all done on their own label, too. So it's like you would think, like, you'd kind of want to at least pay, yeah. pay show There'd a little be some money in it. Yeah. Because you get all that money. They, yeah. Nobody else gets it. Though. But that's just, that's the thing. Like, I don't think Phil has any interest in it. And um, I I don't think Rex really gives a shit. Yeah, no. I don't think know. he gives a shit. But, uh I just think it's a, a fun album to listen to. It's like one of the few times Dime takes like vocals in a song. Ooh, uh, I mean, yeah. it's still Diamond Daryl at that point. Right, yeah, right. He's the one. He's the he's singing "Pussy Tight." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Pussy Tight. They do that was one that they still played live a little bit later. Right. Because they would every once in a while play that one. Yeah. Um, I think it was just kind of like a piss take a little bit. Right. Kind of make fun of their roots. Right. But uh, now I bet that that album came out before, like, you know, all the subgenres mm-hmm. where people tried to make like a chart. Yeah. You know, uh, this is, and chart. power metal is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And from the chart, I like power metal. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's like the, that's the kind of. Well, that's like power metal is pretty much. Um, Taking what Dio did and yeah, running with it, right? So yeah, so I love it. Yeah. So I mean, I I I have a weakness for power metal. I like every once in a while, I just want wind to blow in my hair and yeah. guys screaming about dragons and shit. Totally, totally. <laughs> just talk about wizards yeah. and magic. Like, on Highlander. You know, my a friend of mine hates that shit. Yeah. He, he's like, they should call that shit fucking video game metal. Right. Or, yeah. A friend of mine called it. Used to call it pompous metal. Pompous metal. Yeah. Oh, you like that pompous metal. Yeah. I don't so, know yeah. what's so pompous about it. If know. anything, it's just like, it's so fucking Well, dirty. there's always kings and queens. Yeah. So, that, I think that's what makes it pompous. Well, metal. you know, they <laughs> blind your eyes and steal yeah, your Yeah, they do. It's pompous hell. <laughs> um, all right. What's batter up for you then? All right. My, for my next one is, or my last one actually, is... Um, what I consider to be like the first hard rock heavy metal like super group. Okay. And that was the David Lee Roth band when he left. Okay. Uh, and that first album, Eat Him and Smile, which I think is a great record because I didn't know what to expect after um, California Dreaming. Or California what? Girl. California Girl, yeah. <laughs> after, uh, that was uh, the Crazy From The Heat. Crazy From The Heat. Yeah. was It was kind of a, uh, it was an EP, but it was like... Um, Spoofy, you yeah. Know, it wasn't serious, you know. Yeah, I although it Dave, made serious money. It was Dave being Dave. Yeah, I mean, right. Dave, Dave is a fu- he's he's cheesy. Right. That's his thing, but he generally makes it cool. Right. So, but if that if the first album was going to be a continuation of that, then I wasn't going to be that interested. Yeah. But once I saw who was in the band, I was like, oh shit, this could, this could really yeah. be something. And it was, man. I mean, like, to obviously it was more Van Halen than the next Van Halen. Yeah. You know, and and so I, I loved it, and I love Steve Vai, and again more than anyone, how we talked about how Ingve really uh, 
does good in a band setting, mm -hmm. Steve Vai really, really does good in a yeah. band setting because when you take him away, he, all his Frank Zappa roots come out of him. And he just <laughs> does whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. But yeah, man. And then, and then on top of that, uh, Billy Sheehan, one of the great bass players of all time. Um, the live show that they did was amazing when they came here. It was just like, it was, um, it was at one point, you know, Dave's riding around the stage on a big inflatable microphone, and yeah. then he's doing some samurai sword shit, and then he's having a drum off with Greg Bissonette, drummer, who's a, yeah. a really great uh, LA drummer. And so, yeah, man, just from uh, from uh, the songs, you know, it's got good songs, you know, fucking Shy Boy and fucking uh, uh, Tobacco Road and. Um, what's the what's the uh, the main one the main uh, oh uh, Yankee Rose going crazy oh, going, going crazy, crazy. Okay. I love all those songs man so that's my um, that's my last one for the albums and then I have a honorable mention but I think you have an honorable mention too yeah well I'm gonna first. sneak in an honorable mention now since uh, you brought up uh, Dave Lee Roth um, I would actually because this almost made my list right. Um, but that, uh, that would have been the, uh, DLR band album he did okay, yeah. in, uh, 98, I think right. it was. And that was after the fallout where everybody thought David Lee Roth was back in Van Halen again. Right. They were on MTV. Yeah. And uh, then it turned out. And he wanted to talk about his hip replacement. Yeah. Dave didn't like that shit. Yeah. Dave, uh, you know, you tell. You you ask Dave and you ask Eddie. There's two different versions of that story. Right. Obviously, what with Eddie, it's Dave being like, "Why you fucking talking about your yeah. fucking hip? This no shit's about me. Buddy. Yeah, fuck you." You're right. And uh, Dave being just like, "Hey man, he fucking was like everybody was like, be David Lee Roth, do DLR shit, like right." Be, you know, it's like, right. act like it's the 80s. Pop out the sunroof of the limo and pound on it and get yeah. people pumped and just beat David Lee Roth behind Beck when he was right. wearing at the... So he he was told he was egged on mm. the way he says it. And then I guess... And he's, he phrases that that he thought maybe you're being a little bit of a downer, man. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And... But, I mean, it's hard to fucking figure out, because David Lee Roth is like a child with ADD. Yeah. And, um, and those, Eddie just seems to be fucking perpetually mad about something. Right. And, and those MTV things, for, for as much money as goes into them and everything, they seem to be, like, kind of poorly planned. Just yeah. like, okay, just get up there. And that's why that happened. Because mm -hmm. I don't you know, that's why... Um, the, the drummer from Rage was like climbing, oh, up, climbing the up thing on one day, and Howard yeah. uh, Stern gets banned for life. Uh, Dice Clay gets banned for life. Yeah. You know, it's just I don't I don't think like they're really clear about yeah. what is supposed to be going on. But yeah, anywho, um, back to the actual album I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, DLR band man, that was like a fucking return to form for right. Dave, and unfortunately, it was well past his, you know market value as a solo act right um that had come and gone for he was pretty much done as far as selling as a solo act in the early 90s yeah because he was he was sticking to you know he's sticking to dad rock dinosaur rock he was kind of he was 
doing the same shit that got him where he was. Right. But, you know, alt-rock was taken off right. and everything else, so nobody really had that much of an interest in, like, old-school hard rock. And mm. Van Halen had gone this different way where they're, like... I don't know what the fucking call it. It's just like soft rock at that point. For Pretty much. Part. Yeah, with guitars. Yeah, but they weren't really rocking hard. But right. they had an audience for that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So Dave had kind of fallen off. And then, you know, when that people got excited about Dave back in the band, back in the band. And then it was like, Eddie was like, he was never back in the band. We were just doing a couple, couple of tracks for the greatest hits. And right. they had already hired Gary Sharone. So right. Dave's fucking pissed because he was led to believe he was in Van Halen again. Right. Yeah. And then it turns out he's not in Van Halen again. So he cuts a fuck you Van Halen album and basically records what could have been if he was in Van Halen. Like he right. just fucking put together what sounded like a Van Halen album. Right. And it has, you know, shit like uh, Slam Dunk on it that is just like classic, you know, that style. And it. The whole album fucking rips for the most part. Some of the lyrics are a little wonky. Well, yeah, that's know. always going to be. Well, it's it's because, like, you hit that point where people are trying to, like, update their lingo. Yeah. So, like, you got Dave singing about, like, AOL and chat rooms and shit. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, but the actual instrumentals are fucking tight. And I think that's that's a very underappreciated album. Uh, yeah, I have to throw another shout out to my friend Sean, who apparently really liked the Van Halen uh, episode because he was the guy that I said to Van Halen with. His, he said his uh, uh, the, his greatest moment was uh, when he went to uh, Music Trader and sold back uh, Van Halen 3 and DLR Band. And he got $1 for Van Halen 3 and I think like $3 for DLR. Band. Oh, wow. So he's like, so I got more money for the David Lee Roth album. Yeah. And I'm like, why did you sell it back? That's a good album. Wow. But, yeah, that's so funny that those those places, like, those places, the record stores went away. Yeah. And then those places came and they were like, haha, like we took over your shit. Yeah. And now all those places are gone. Yeah. So, yeah. That's... Nothing lasts forever these days. Yeah, no. And speaking of things that don't last forever, my uh, honorable mention is from the early, early 80s, there was a band. I was at the uh, Spring Valley Swap Meet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was these dudes that would sell, you know, cassettes and all kinds of stuff, metal accessories. And, uh, and I just saw this cassette of this band, and the band was called Oz. And the album was called Fire in the Brain. And I was just like, okay, I'll check this out. And so I got it. And right away, I liked it. Yeah. I was just like, man, because it was, it was heavy. It had good riffs. The singer was pretty good. He could sing. Um, it, it had songs. It had, like, everything that I wanted out of and And it had a really modern sound. So I was like, yeah, man, this is going to be the shit. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And it was right around that same time, like Metallica's first album came out and stuff like that was coming out. And people were just like, like, hey, have you heard of Metallica? I'm just like, yeah, they're cool. Have you heard of Oz? Yeah, but check out Oz. Yeah, they're going to be the <laughs> shit. And I was sure of it. But, you know, as things go in those days, um, I had no idea that they were like a Finnish band yeah. or something. Because the singer's name was Ape Demartini. <laughs> so I figured he was like some sort of an Italian or something. Yeah. But no, as it turns out, no. And uh, I don't think he was in the band that much longer. I'm not sure. 
But in those days, when a band went away, mm-hmm. it, they just went away. Yeah, you didn't yeah. know what happened to them. Like, whatever happened to Oz? Yeah, no, never found out. And as far as I knew, they never, like, they never, I, I guess now in retrospect, come to find out that they made a bunch of albums <laughs> after that. <laughs> that wasn't even their first album that right. they got into. So it's like you... You just didn't put in the. Uh, I didn't put in the. Put in the, the effort hour, yeah. to try to to try to find to more find of those Oz. Japanese imports of Oz. Well, you were was this before you went to Spain? This was after. After. After okay. I got back. So you got back. I was say if you know they probably would have been easier to find some of their shit when you're still. Probably, here. probably. Um, but yeah, no. Fire in the brain, eighty three. Ill warning was eighty four. Turn the cross upside down, 85. That sounds like they were going to do some, like, like oh, this is some satanic shit. And then it, like, went through a translator. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. Turn the cross upside down. Yeah. Like, it's not even, like, upside down no. cross that has that fucking hammering <laughs> yeah, sound. Yeah, because like, cross is, like, substituting for frown. Yeah, it's... <laughs> turn, <laughs> turn that frown upside down. Oh, let's say cross, and now it's evil. Yeah, like, it's just it's like you're telling someone to do shit. But, right. yeah, no. So, anyway... I got so excited about my uh, my honorable mention of the DLR band. Uh, completely neglected my actual top pick. Uh-oh. <laughs> so my number one pick, uh, if people were kind of like doing the math where I was mentioning like in my original honorable mentions where I said I only wanted to have one Sabbath song album mm-hmm. in my main one and then I talked about a couple. So they probably figured out I'm talking about Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, but my number one underrated album is Headless Cross. Yes. Love um, it. Or uh, <laughs> by Oslingo, Take the Head Off the Cross. Yeah, Take the Head Off the Cross, yeah. <laughs> that is, uh, you know, I remember you talked about um, Eternal, Eternal Idol. Idol as one of your picks there. Right. So it's like it could have been, I just think overall, it's like I kind of want to nominate like Tony Martin for just underappreciated totally totally Um, by the way I also looked when I was looking at uh, at lists of underrated albums a lot of people had tear really yeah that's one of those you know what it probably is it's because I think Headless Cross still gets some love yeah it did well with the 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 critics at the time Mm -hmm. it was considered one of those return to form Sabbath albums and Tear was like the whack one. Right. Yeah, so now it was, it's like, yeah. it's one of those albums, it's kind of like, you know, where as time goes on, like they're like, oh, let's boost this one up more. Mm-hmm. And Tear isn't a bad album. Right, right. I just think Headless Cross is a more Black Sabbath album. Right. Like it's got shit that sounds like Black Sabbath again. Yeah. And, you know, the just the... You know the thematics of the whole deal, right? And you know Tony Martin is a very good vocalist. Yeah, um, he's one of those vocalists that's kind of a like a utility guy, right? Like he's never gonna be the fucking man, mm. but he's brought in because you know, okay, we want a guy that that can sing, but he needs to be able to sing the old shit, right? And, you know, with the old shit with Ozzy, it's kind of like you said, like, after Dio, everybody kind of sang the Ozzy songs like Dio. Yeah. So you're never going to sing, like, it's not going to be, like, an Ozzy sound-alike. Because right. Because nobody, like, They're, sounds yeah. like Ozzy other than guys that are in, like, Ozzy tributes and shit right. like that. Right. They're trying to sound like yeah. Ozzy, yeah. But, um... And even them don't really, usually... Yeah. 
Yeah. That, but, you know, Tony Heen fucking nails that. And he's kind of got this, like, voice that's like a weird mashup of other singers. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, it's really good, but it doesn't have... It's a, not unique. Yeah, it doesn't have a super unique quality. Right. Like, if you told me to describe Tony Martin... I would say, well, he was a really good wide receiver for the Chargers in the yeah. And then you say, no, I meant Tony Martin right. from Black Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, um, oh, it's like if you mash Dio and um, uh, fuck, what's what's his fucking name from White Snake? Um, Coverdale. Coverdale. If you, I, 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 I need to write shit down more. I yeah. keep one, I'll have like a really good idea, and then a name will fucking escape my mind right at the last second. Right. Because I'm also getting up there. <laughs> yeah. But if you mashed up Dio and Coverdale, I, you get Tony Martin. Right. I think. And okay. it's like you said, there's even some tracks on there, like uh, Black Moon. Yeah. That's kind of like a White Snake sound and jam. Yeah. But it's like heavier. Yeah. And then it's, you know. So he's got that kind of quality, and I just think, you know, it's one of those albums that doesn't fucking waste any space. Like, right. there's, like, eight tracks on it, I think, mm-hmm. and, like, the first track is just, like, an instrumental creepy opening to, mm-hmm. like, the actual album. Yeah. So there's, like, seven songs. Yeah. And they all... Kick ass. They all kick much, ass, yeah. and they, you know, and they get in and get out. It's, like, a 30-minute album, yeah. you know? It's, yeah. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. And you just kind of start going back and going like, oh, every, like, there's not a bad song on here. Nightwing fucking rips. And, you know, and they got, you know, they, they brought in Brian May to do a guitar solo. Right. And, uh, and shit like that. Yeah. So it's like the whole thing. It's like anytime you get Brian May to just fucking pop in. Yeah. That's pretty tight. Yeah. That's why I think it does I, I would say it's underrated because I think all of Tony Martin's shit, for the most part, Agreed. is underrated. And yeah. that's my favorite album that he did. Okay. And that's the one, that's another one of those things that's an era that kind of gets ignored. Right. Because he's the guy that you can ignore. Right. You know, it's like, uh, if you look at Rainbow, he's, you know, he's like the doogie. Yeah. You know, nobody's like... Yeah. Nobody's no big announcement for, when he got hired. No big yeah. breakup when he left. Yeah. No, <laughs> nobody's pining for yeah. the Doogie White era right. rainbow shit. Yeah, but no. it's it's good. Yeah. If you yeah. listen to it, it sounds like more like the old rainbow shit than yep. than any other album post Dio. Yeah. So. Yep. I uh, the Doogie thing is uh, well, I mean, <clears throat> the Doogie thing now. Because I see, I feel, I, I follow him on Twitter and stuff. I oh, follow really? him on Instagram and stuff. And he's like the thing. What's he doing? That, uh, <laughs> he's, he's uh, well, he was in that Michael Schenker fest thing. That where Michael Schenker went back and, because, you know, in Europe and in, in Japan and stuff, Michael Schenker's still huge. Yeah. You know, so he somehow was able to afford to like bring out all of his singers you know, and do one tour with all of them, and uh, it, it was great. And in uh, and um, Doogie's on there. Oh, nice. You know, because he was in. Uh, he, I think. Well, Doogie's in the band now. He's okay. in, yeah, he's in the band now. Oh, that's good. So yeah, and the only thing about it, he's fat. <laughs> you know, like that's one thing that I like. When once I started getting fat. That's when I decided that, well, rock is not going to do it. I'm not yeah. going to be able to do that. Because, you can't be the fat guy no, on stage. No, you can't be the fat guy. I mean, you know, like, even, like, <clears throat> I remember, 
when I was uh, when I saw Dio with Tracy G, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Who's that fat guy?" <laughs> you know. And then I like come to see the video now, and he wasn't really that fat. Like yeah. you, you know, I was just but it was just it was like optics. Grim Reaper. I didn't like Grim Reaper because their singer was fat and kind of looked like. Special needs or something. <laughs> unless you're like, fucking, unless you're playing a harmonica. Yeah. You don't. You can't be fat on stage. Yeah. So, anyways, so I guess that pretty much wraps up our. That uh, wraps up the uh, underrated albums as uh, listed by Frog and Mike here. Right. Now, unfortunately, we have some sad news to deliver. Oh yeah. And that said, a good friend of ours passed away this week, yeah. and. Uh, that's Kendrick. Kendrick Smith. He was a real, real nice, real awesome dude. Yeah. Uh, I got real tight with him over the last few years. Uh, he was just, you know, he's based out of San Diego at this point, you know. Um, and then, you know, he grew up, I believe, in like the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, down did. here. And uh, he was the one I think we were talking about. Uh, hey, do they really call? Uh, yeah. <laughs> do they really call pussy cock in the Bay Area? Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah. Off of some shit you had heard. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like it was a very, it was a very niche thing that yeah. kind of was like a. Yeah. Very, unfortunately, it's blasted all over some of my favorite rap albums. So <laughs> I was just like, "What the fuck is that, really?" You know. But uh, yeah. But he like you know he took that with a with a laugh and. He took he took everything with the laugh, yeah. man. I mean, even when he found out that he was terminal, yeah, he put out a, a quote. He goes, "Well, I'm gonna miss the last season of Game of Thrones." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, fuck, dude. How could you know? How That's, could somebody be so like? But I yeah, think I man. commented on that with uh, you, fucker. You made me sad and laugh all yeah, at the same man. time, and it's like, uh, you know. Um, Cancer's a motherfucker, man. Yeah. And that was the thing. Like, he he hit up me and a few of the guys. We had what we called our haters club, where we right. had kind of a little a Facebook shit-talking group a little bit. Yeah. And he was part of, and uh, he just, like, one day, like, it was like a series of events. Like, first we, like, get a message, like, ah, oh, pit down, I'm in the hospital, guys. Yeah. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, I think I got pneumonia. And then it was like, oh, they fucking found a mask there. They think it might be cancer. And then it's like, uh, fuck, guys, I got cancer. And he did a, a benefit, they did, like, a little benefit show for him at the palace for that to try to help raise some money for him. Yeah. Which I had to miss because I'd already had plans before he got cancer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, so and then, I, which he, he fucking blasted me on Facebook over because, uh, you know, he's my friend, but he's also a dick. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, it was so awesome. So many people turned out uh, except for Michael Castleberry. Right. <laughs> like, Fuck that dude. guy. And I yeah. said, uh, I was like, man, uh, at the time we didn't know he was terminal. So I told him, uh, you need to get better so I can call you a dick for calling me out. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not cool to call someone with cancer a dick. Yeah. And then uh, then he was just like, hey, man, uh, you just sent us all a message. Hey, uh, fucking bad news. Uh, looks like I'm terminal. I got about six months. And so that was just like, holy yeah. shit. And, yeah. But he had his last birthday uh party two weeks before he passed and a bunch of you know a bunch of comics went like you know and his friends and family and i got to sit down with him with dave callens and stuff and alan henderson and we mm-hmm. all talked with them and just you know he was doing for someone that was you know two weeks away from passing 
and he was in good spirits and right. we were we laughed and had a good time and the last thing he said to me was when uh, my wife was coming to pick me up I was like hey man I got a roll and he went to go shake my hand and he leaves and he's like you early leaving motherfucker yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like dude yeah. he's like oh I'm fucking with you he's like yeah. I'm probably leaving in a minute here I'm getting tired yeah but uh He's a good guy, and, uh, you know, rest in peace, man. Rest We're in peace, Kendrick, man. Yeah, man, I used to, like, go uh, drop off movies for him and stuff. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> at some point, he just, uh, like, he stopped texting me back or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, there's, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of people die at, by this time, you know. Yeah. And everybody <clears throat> deals with it different, man. It's like some people want to be around a lot of people. Yeah. Some people don't want people to see them a certain, yeah. you know, when they're, you know, whatever. So I just, <clears throat> I just respected his wishes, you know. And, and he, he, uh, he posted on Facebook too one time that you know, like, don't DM me. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm good. You know, whatever. It's, it's. Uh, I'll update you as. Yeah. Well. You know, and I was, you know, like, yeah, man, you know. I just respect. I mean, I wish I would have known about a couple of things, but yeah, eh, it is what it is, and you know, unfortunately, as they say, life goes on, and yeah. when, you know, in some cases, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, he just wanted to be around his family, right, as much as possible, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, he he, uh, and that's that's what uh, all of his humor was about. Was yeah. about his family, and you know, and uh, and uh, starving, and, and you yeah. know, stuff like that. But yeah, man, he was a funny dude. He was uh, the only comic around here that was anywhere near my age. <laughs> so that's a bummer. Oh, hey, you still got Maury Sherman somewhere. Yeah, I got a. What's that fool's name? That, have you ever seen that old dude, Dick? Oh, Dick Cummings. Dick Cummins. Oh, dude, that dude is. That shit is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, anyways, so. Uh, so that's it for this episode uh, of our underrated albums and our shout out to Kendrick, RIP, man, Kendrick Smith. Love you. Yeah. And uh, tune in next week. We're going to be talking about uh, replacement singers for bands. Yes. And uh, we're going to we're going to talk about the ones that are sick and the ones that suck and everything in between. And there's going to be more suck than sick. But uh, <laughs> but that's how that goes. Yeah. Until the next one, this is Big Frog and, and uh, Mike Castleberry. And we're out. All right.